The United States is in the grip of a health and economic crisis. And businesses are being forced to adapt to the impact of a virus that has killed thousands and put millions out of work. This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow, where we hear from members of the commercial real estate industry about their approach to this unprecedented situation. My name's Miriam Hall. I'm BizNow's New York reporter. One industry that's been significantly affected by this is the co-working and flexible workspace world. All of the major players have had to slash jobs. And in this episode, we're speaking with Amol Sava, the co-founder of Notel. The company, which had 5 million square feet across 250 locations around the world last October, reached a $1 billion valuation last year. But last month, the company cut half its workforce and Amol said that business as usual is over. I spoke to him on Wednesday morning about changes he's making at his company and the widespread economic damage to the real estate industry. But later in the day, there were stories that came out that Notel was handing back 20% of its portfolio to landlords. And also another story that the company had missed rent payments. I called him back and asked him about that later on. But he's speaking here first about handling furloughs and layoffs and how offices might be looking in the future. There wasn't a lot of time for denial. Certainly, uh, we were all ignoring it, you know, in January, let's say. But in February, I was thinking this is like SARS or um, H1N1. But by the time we got to like late March, it was clearly 9-11 or 2008. I don't think anyone yet knows if, uh, if 9-11 or 08 are even s- similar. We have sketched what we think is that really, really worst case, and we're operating as if that's true right now. And I'm having conversations every day with folks who um, I don't think they get it. I mean, I don't think everyone's figured it out. Some folks think, oh, yeah, this is just one of those things, two months of rent abatement, or, oh, yeah, can we save 5% here? And um, they're, uh, you know, I hope they're right, I guess. I hope they're right, but... They can't know that they're right yet. So you laid off a lot of people, which I imagine would have been painful. Um, how did you, I guess, how do you decide who, who you're saying goodbye to and, and who you're keeping? Um, well, we, um, we did have to make some very difficult choices. But um, we're not going to be launching new properties. We're not going to be... Uh, out there, you know, developing new customer pipelines, not for a while. Um, we had to really think through which, which um, capabilities we needed in a tangible way for the coming period and what preparation we needed to be doing during this period for what comes after. You said to me before that because you launched a company just in 2008, um, just as the crash was happening there, in retrospect, you thought you probably should have fired everyone and shut things down. I mean, how much did 2008 inform your approach here? Well, I mean, I started with my co-founders, uh, my first really big company, a couple months before the dot-com crash. That was Virgin Mobile. We started Virgin Mobile in January 2000, and not only did we ride through that disaster, which was a financial disaster, but then I was opening the New York office for Virgin Mobile in, uh, on September 11th, 2001, and that happened. And we found a way through it. 
and the company ended up being quite a successful company. Then, in, then the next thing that I do, Peak, which was my smartphone company, which does end up getting bought by SoftBank. Um, yeah, we launched that in, in September 2008. Not the time to be launching a discretionary consumer product. And it was a chance for me to see the system-wide pressure in a, in a cycle like this something that I don't think everyone has been appreciating. The uh, system-wide pressure when we made um, our smartphone is we sold the product through retailers. It worked with large telecom networks. It had uh, financing and private equity and lenders. And really surprising to me, even beyond the consumer who was supposed to be the end user there, it was surprising to me then, and I felt quite naive after that, how the retailers went into crisis. They saw falling sales and they had huge financial risks. The telecom carriers, you know, they rely on a lot of public markets debt. Their stocks were down a lot. They had huge new financial pressures. All through the ecosystem, there's all these um, cards that get turned over that you wouldn't predict on the very first day. And uh, that's, that's happening here. Because there's one school of thought that I've heard that this is going to be sharp and this is going to be painful, but the re recovery is going to be sharp and not as painful. It's going to bounce back. Yeah, yeah. That school of thought, um, I, uh, I don't subscribe to. And um, I think the way that something like that would work is if there was not system systemic damage. So systemic damage is the kind of thing it takes a long time to restore. So a restaurant that um, had no income for the last month and for the next two months um, and fired all their people and uh, wasn't itself like a, like a drop. They didn't have a lot of resources to start with. A lot of small businesses just kind of get by on a shoestring. When it needs to reopen, and it might need a, a ramp up period before business is even strong. That owner of that business needs to lay out a bunch of money, catch up on some rent, maybe, um, buy a bunch of supplies, hire, start hiring people and find them and, and pay for them and actually lose money for a while before the thing is really moving again. That, that kind of delay is, is what economic damage looks like, but just imagine it all throughout the system. Uh, every kind of business. I mean, it's, it's hard to see, actually. It's hard to see how it snaps back. Because some people will say, oh, yeah. well, those are retailers and those are restaurants. The big office occupiers, the big law firms or the tech firms or whatever are okay. Um, they're not. I mean, they, uh, they, they have some differential prospects. It's true. But, um, you know, Google is basically an advertising company. And Google's got a lot of cash. So they're not making short-term decisions. But spending on advertising, the rates for online advertising have fallen by a huge percentage, 50-60%, which means revenue at Google uh, this next three months is going to be down. And even at Google, there are going to be decisions about which projects to pursue, how many more people to hire this quarter, uh, what other vendors should they be hiring, should they be you know, they have a role in the general business services economy, so to speak. And even in a fortress kind of business like that, when, when revenue falls dramatically, you're going to see really big changes. 
And as you go through company by company, industry by industry, you can see where what economic damage looks like. So what's happening with, just so I'm clear, what's happening with no-tells locations at the moment? You're just keeping them there, you're keeping them safe and locked down. Is, is that right? You haven't closed, I mean, you haven't shut down totally any. I mean, obviously yeah. they're shut down, but they're still operational. They're still locations. Yeah, yeah. And surprisingly, um, while the vast majority of workers are not at work in the offices, a lot of the offices are getting accessed every day. Uh, I was surprised because we're starting to see some of that data and, and we're going to publish it soon anonymized, but at city levels, uh, you'll see office activity by city and uh, it's it's at like 30% of where it was two months ago, but like something's happening. So just in the immediate, I mean, we've been hearing stories about of like, for example, we were facing a wave of unpaid rent and tenants trying to pull out. Are, are you seeing that at Notel? We will absolutely see that. We will. And I think it's too early to take a measurement uh, with any confidence. Um, but because customers haven't yet figured out what's going on, there are some small companies who have already been in discussion with us um, and a couple of big companies that I'm very sure will be calling soon. There's a large retailer in the UK that's one of our customers and uh, they are, they've announced they won't make it. They're called Debenhams. Um, so I, I'm sure there's going to be, there, there'll, there'll be a bunch of different reasons. One of them will be uh, failure of companies. Uh, and I think there will be a substantial failure of companies, especially small companies. Now, we primarily serve big companies. I mean, overwhelmingly, we serve large companies. That's, you know, if you've ever heard about Notel, you've heard that Notel is about serving large corporates, enterprises, global footprint, and no, nothing shared. So you'd imagine that this is the absolute best part square on the chessboard to be on. Uh, and I think it is a very good square on the chessboard to be on. I think we do serve uh, very large companies that will be resilient. They will reduce their workforce, but they're probably going to need more space uh, per person. And uh, they're going to need our help to redesign and change their spaces. Um, and they're going to really appreciate flexibility. So all that is great. But um, there will be business failures, especially among the smallest companies. Um, and. Uh, there will be changing attitudes about office and we are going to have to deal with it in the very immediate term, like this crisis moment. Um, companies that have decided, oh man, I'm really scared. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Some of them are going to withhold their rent, especially the ones that think they're going to, they're going to fa fail. And among our portfolio of companies, we serve many hundreds of companies. A handful at this point have expressed that to us, really just a handful, less than five. And, um, Another handful has asked and another handful is curious because they heard the prime minister say something or the president of France or, you know, the governor of California. And so folks are aware and starting to figure out what kind of uh, resources are available to try to help weather the storm here. And that is our, I mean, that's our purpose too. Like we are trying to help these companies get through this. If our mission for the time being and for uh, quite some time is going to be to defend customers, we got to help them. Uh, get access to everything they need. Now that actually puts us in a in a tricky position. Um, customers were able to pay this month. We don't know if they'll be able to pay next month or the following. They may be feeling confident uh, today, but as I just gave you a fairly gloomy outlook of how this thing unfolds, it's very possible all that changes. Now on the other side, uh, all the landlords that we're working with, we have collected together this community of customers and honestly the, the financial prospects of the cities where we operate in. 
We're essentially a layer of infrastructure. And we've gone to our landlords and we've discussed with every single one of them, what are we going to do to help customers get through this? We can't make a judgment based on what happened on April 1st or April 2nd. We're going to have to really team up and make sure that we're able to help address problems customers are going to have next month or the following or maybe for many months after that. And so that's like a really deep discussion. I don't know that the landlords have figured out what they want to do yet either. Landlords so far, the owners of, of properties all around the world, whether they're big sophisticated portfolio managers or individuals, uh, families that have a single building, they don't know yet either. And uh, I see uh, the market is at something like a standstill. They are probably talking to their lenders or waiting for guidance from bond rating firms. And so there's like a lot of figuring out to do. On Wednesday, publication Commercial Observer reported that Nutel is planning to return 20% of its portfolio to landlords. Amol told me that they plan to be working with these landlords to figure out arrangements that will work for both parties, and that could mean things like companies renting directly from the landlords. I also asked him about press reports published first in Business Insider that Nutel had missed rent payments. This next bit is phone call quality audio, so you'll have to listen a little carefully. Well, we're going to have to negotiate deals with these guys. Uh, that makes sense for both of us. But there's a certain percentage of properties that are geared towards small business. And usually those buildings are uh, smaller and older construction type properties. And the consequences of the crisis are going to be very severe for small business, unfortunately. And they're just not going to work uh, as no-tells. No-tell is increasingly, I mean, overwhelmingly about corporates and enterprises. And um, we're not going to be much help to these these buildings, uh, and certainly not in an environment where small business is changing a lot. Some of these owners may want to reposition their buildings entirely, turn them into condos or build residential conversions. A lot's going to have to change in that segment of the market. And truthfully, there's another problem with these buildings there because they're older, their ventilation systems are worse, they're less likely to be healthy buildings. But how does this work? I mean, are you going to have to break leases? Um, well, we're going to have to do a deal. We're going to have to reach um, an agreement with the owner that makes sense for them and for us. Just on the face of it, you say it's got to be something that's got to work for both of you. How is that going to work for the landlord not having a tenant? Well, well they, they might get paid by us uh, for a period and for that period, they might um, be able to put a different tenant in there and get paid twice. Or, as I mentioned, there may be no tell customers in there that are already paying, and we'll, we'll hand them over the, the revenue that's being created. So how have the conversations gone so, so far? Um, those are, I mean, they just started. We haven't finished any of them. We're not going to be the last ones to take a position. Uh, I guess we're somewhat early in that process. Uh, in the context of what others are doing, but we just want to be clear, and it's consistent with the rather sharp judgments we've made in order to make sure we know where we're going, and uh, we're not going deeper into the very small companies, and we're not going deeper into the very old buildings. Right, so this is, that you think that you're ahead of the game here, that there's, this is just the start, that there are going to be other people who are going to be pulling out of uh, handing space back. I mean, it's got to happen. Corporates haven't decided what they want to do. Companies don't yet know what they want to do. Every week for the last three weeks, there have been huge reductions in the labor force, and that's going to continue for a while. And once they figure that out, 
they're going to be Shawnee owners too. And we at least are, have been decisive and we are being clear and we're ready to do business. Uh, unlike, you know, a restaurant or a retailer that's simply going to write a letter that says, sorry, we're shutting down. What do you, I mean, there's been reports this week that you weren't paying rent on buildings, that you were in a poor position financially already. Uh, what we prioritized uh, at the beginning of this month is our customers. Uh, we spoke with every single landlord that we deal with uh, in, in the world, and all of us together were jointly tuning in on what's going on with the corporate community and with customers. And as that gets clearer, um, we will, in, in the case of you Notel know, and every individual owner, decide how we want to handle it. But there are large companies that are not able to not not able to pay for the spaces they're in. I, I suppose you've been reading in the in the in the news about you know Staples or Space Factory, all these other huge companies. And I think we and our partners, the owners, um, want to see what's going on. So you so we is... are going to make we are going to together make adjustments to try to help our customers get through this, but we got to know what's going on first and we don't yet have enough information. So, but, so is it true that you haven't been paying rent at certain locations well before the crisis? I mean, that yeah. was... No, it's, no, I don't think that's true, no. It's not I true? Mean, we, have, we have good and working relationships with all our landlords and uh, right now is a special situation and we have good and working relationships with all of them now. But, I mean, the story is, the story that was reported out this week, which I'm sure you're aware of, is that you were not paying rent and that this was before coronavirus became such a huge issue. I'm not familiar with that story, but I will say that as we were getting so big last year, we went from, I don't know, 60 or 70 buildings to 275 or something. We added a dozen cities. I mean... There have always been times from the inception of the business, and certainly last year, where people in, in our supply chain are like, hey, what the hell? You guys didn't pay this yet. And we were messy about that, and we've been trying to get a lot better because we are getting more systematic and more organized. And that case of growth has been our own sloppiness, and it's something that I repeatedly find myself having to apologize for, but we are getting better. We are getting better. But it's also just a unique feature of the real estate world. The real estate world has this really itchy trigger finger. I've done business in so many different industries, and uh, I rarely get, like, you know, threats from big, beefy guys, which the real estate industry seems so accustomed to. It's almost like a, uh, like having the, uh, the sanitation company come and intimidate you. I, I think the language is very purple very often in real estate, and... Unfortunately, it's just a, a feature of the industry.